0: Hey folks, I'm so glad you decided to tune in again today. For another faith-filled message brought to you by the partners of the Peckville Assembly of God. We could not do it without you. We're getting this gospel message out as fast as we can on as many networks and voices as we can to help empower people by the power of Jesus Christ. We could not do it without your faithful partnership. If you do me a favor and let people know about our broadcast, help us uh, either by word of mouth or sharing it with them on Facebook, whatever it might be. We truly appreciate all of our partners. We pray for you each and every day. Hey, drop us a line sometime. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned. We're coming live at you with the word right now. There's so many examples that we need to be people of joy that are found in the word of God. It's been blowing my mind and the revelation that God's given me of this is just, it's just surreal. Um, Because 255 times in the NIV alone, it talks about that we're to have the joy of the Lord. Amen. And then I did this research on my own and uh, I was telling uh, Charlie Battenberg, uh, yesterday during the funeral, in fact. It's good to see uh, our brother with us this morning. Uh, and uh, we were in the car yesterday, headed up to the graveside, and we were talking about life, and, and uh, he's talk- telling me how he watches the television broadcast. And he was sharing with me, he's quite an intellectual of sorts, uh, about a book that he just got done reading called Two Mounts. And so we're just conversing, uh, and I said, you know, my research has showed me that children laugh Watch his children laugh 150 times a day on average. And if you ever watch kids, you know how many know they just they they just have a good time no matter where they they just not have fun. They know how to live in the moment, enjoy the moment, right? But adults, are you ready? That's pretty much adults in this congregation. I don't see any preschoolers or toddlers here today. Uh, none of my, my grandkids will be in the next service. Guys. Something's not right because us adults are only laughing on an average of one to three times a day, if that. Something's wrong with this picture. And then I went into sharing with him what I've shared with you that the U.S. makes up five and a half percent of the Earth's population. uh, But we consume over 90 percent of the world's antidepressant medication. And something is wrong with this picture. Would you agree? And so, you know, and then we talked about anhedonia. And that's, if you're just joining us, you know, we welcome you, those of you watching out there and things. Anhedonia in the Hebrew, Anna without, donia, joy. Without joy. And then we talk about things, areas specifically, that this anhedonia is really an epidemic of sorts. Um, that years ago, it, it was almost non-existent, except in schizophrenia, uh, schizophrenia and uh, schizophrenics. And um, and drug addicts. So, you know, they don't, didn't have uh, any kind of joy, so they'd have to keep sticking a needle in their arm or smoking a joint or what, taking acid or cocaine or whatever it was. Are you with me? There's a very small percentage of our population here in the U.S. that experienced anhedonia. Now they're saying that it's it's climbing at an alarming rate, that people don't have joy anymore. And they're not even getting joy from the things that God has blessed us with, such as social anhedonia, meaning they're not receiving uh, happiness and peace and joy from their own family members, you know, and, uh, and I said to you that, you know, could it be that they don't have uh, joy in their social lives because they have too much social media? Could it be? I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's wrong, but could it be that we're, we have a pocket full of unhappiness in our, you know, call the device? Amen. And my screen time dropped 26% last week, and I felt really good about that. Amen. How much? 31%. Give her a hand. Isn't that great? Yeah. Amen. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time you shut your phone off, even for half of the day? Okay, a couple here. God bless you guys. Last night, I forgot my phone. I came to the Saturday night service. It was about 5 o'clock. And I was like, I forgot my phone. I was going to turn around. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. How many know they can find me? I'm pretty easy to find. Okay? All right? And I left it there. And I didn't turn it on. And I was like, this felt so good. Not to have to turn this thing on and be pulled all over the place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So social anhedonia. And then uh, actually the the research finding from the medical field was um, uh, sexual anhedonia, meaning that a man and a wife, in what God's ordained, he's sanctioned for the marital bed to find fulfillment uh, and those kind of things. Uh, joy is non-existent in a large percentage of people. I don't have the data in front of me, but if you've been with us, you understand where we've been lately. And so people are finding, they're looking for love in all the wrong places. Sound familiar? The divorce rate is 6 out of 10 in the world, the same in the churches as in the world. Something's, something's not right with this picture. And then uh, the, and then, one that really threw me, I think, of all of them was what they call musical anhedonia, meaning that people aren't even finding joy or satisfaction from singing songs that they once enjoyed. And I kind of brought that over into, and we've been on this for about six weeks now, so I'm just trying to condense a whole and recap where we've been, that there, there's not a fulfillment even in music. Things that we once, that really kind of rung our bell, it's like it does nothing for us. And so anhedonia, so how do we get back to joy? David said in Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Amen? And so then last week I just gave you uh, just a couple of what I call joy killers, killjoys or joy destroyers, right? Uh, And here was just a few of them, uh, you know. One was anxiety. How many know that if you're anxious and you're full of anxiety, it's pretty hard to be happy at the same time? In fact, it's impossible. Because the way God hardwired us, you know, you can't worry and worship at the same time. Does that make sense? So if you're worshiping, you're not going to be worrying. But if you're worrying, you're not going to be worshiping. Doesn't it make sense? So anxiety is a killjoy. It's a joy destroyer. And then confusion, I said to you, it'll get better. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. confusion is something that also saps the joy out of us. We get confused. If there's one question I've heard again and again my entire life, that we've heard and we've been doing this for quite a while, we're about four generations here now, it's this how do I know what God wants me to do? Or what am I supposed to do about this situation, pastor? And so when we get confused and we don't understand what the will of the Lord is, it takes the joy away from us. Can you say amen? It's, it's really true. And the Bible has a lot to say about understanding what the will of the Lord is. And we talked about that. And then lastly, I said to you, people. <laughs> people can take, can, can, uh, if you're not careful... They can deplete your joy real quick. You know anybody like that? Some of you might be married to someone like that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm just having fun with you here. I'm just trying to create a little joy in the room, okay? So, you know, how many know, how many know people, that, let's just be honest, we all know people that they walk in the room and, the, and they just suck the oxygen right out of the air. They, they're like battery drainers. They can drain you if you're not careful and if your heart is wide open you know, you, you, they can literally sap the happiness and the peace and the joy and even ruin your day if you're not careful. So Jesus said, no man can take your joy. So that means that we have a choice on whether to keep it or to give it away. Right? And so here's, one, here's another one I want to talk to you about. Then we're going to get into the good, the good news of it. Here, here's one I've been thinking about lately. Weariness. Weariness if you're taking notes today. I have so many notes here, and I don't have the time to give it to you all, but we, that you would probably bleed out the pen that we gave you last week, and we'll give you a new one. How many know that weariness can take away our joy? We get tired. We get fatigued. We, sometimes they we call it battle fatigue. You might be battling something in your own life. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you're on a mountain and everything is perfect right now, but you know, understand that in life, Jesus said we'll have trials, right? And so, you know, but take heart. He said, I've overcome the world. So weariness. Sometimes we get weary with situations. Maybe we're fighting for a family member. Maybe we're fighting for, uh, you know, a financial breakthrough. Maybe we're fighting a, some kind of a health uh, issue going on in our life. And if we're not careful, uh, we, it, it will cause us to lose our sense of pleasure, lose our sense of joy. And so many people are suffering from that and, uh, you know, a longstanding problem. Galatians 6, 9 says it like this. Paul writing to the church of Galatia, let us not become weary in doing good. Amen. He said, let us not become weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not what? Lose heart. So that due season is what I want to talk to you about this morning in the moments that we have left. So God knew that we would have weariness, otherwise he would have never said that, right? Okay, so so I want to talk to you about that a little bit this morning. Um, you know, many times you could be doing the right thing, but you're not seeing the results. Anyone ever been there? Yeah, there you go. We pray, we seek God, we're in the word, whatever we might, and, and for some reason, sometimes it seems like matters don't get better. better. In fact, they get worse. Have you ever been there? Yeah. And so let me encourage you today. Your time is coming. Your season is coming. Hold on. The Bible said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Can you say amen? And so weariness cannot automatically come. You have to open the door to it in your life. I hope you'll hear what I'm about to say here. This is what David was doing. Let me give you a couple of biblical examples. David was doing, he was uh, the only one in all of Scripture, 66 chapters devoted to the life of David. The patriarchs of the faith, Father Abraham, uh, Moses, Joseph, those, those types of patriarchs. Uh, they're, they, they're given like, Abraham I believe is about 12 chapters that are de- dedicated to his life in the Word. David, watch this, 66 chapters in the Word of God. He's the only one that God says, now there's a man after my own heart, right? David, the shepherd boy, uh, he was ridiculed by his brothers. He wasn't even considered in the running for kingship. You know this story. Little David, you know, uh, red hair, ruddy in complexion. He had freckles. They put him on the, uh, up the, you know, tending the sheep and all that kind of stuff. And no matter what David did right, it never seemed to work out for him. And yet I can envision David had a good attitude. I can envision David that probably would say to himself, I'm going to reach my destiny. I'm going to reach my dream. I'm going to reach that vision that God has put in my heart. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? He didn't let weariness and tiredness get to him. So David was anointed by the prophet Samuel with a horn of oil. And all, the, all his tall, dark, and handsome brothers were not, were not considered... And yet, when they called David, you know this story, he was anointed as a little shepherd boy, a little 13-year-old kid. But it took years for him to actually achieve the throne and become the most powerful king that ever lived, only second to Jesus Christ, king of kings. Amen? And so David did everything. He, He went to King Saul, even after he was anointed, and he played his harp, remember? Trying to chase the demonic spirits. This is in your Bible. From King Saul, he went into the, the royal throne room, he was summons, then he would play his harp because he was a psalmist. Many of the psalms written in your Bible are actually songs that were written by David, even before he was a king. One of them is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, Psalm 23. Amen? And so we're talking about David here, and that David went through a long, dry spell before he actually obtained the vision that God had given him. And, uh, you know, I I could hear David saying, I won't be weary in well-doing. In fact, the Bible said that David, watch this, encouraged himself in the Lord. You ever have to do that? Yeah, when no one else is encouraging you, you can encourage yourself. That's what David did. And so, you know, the Bible tells us, uh, you know, that when David came back after a, a battle with his 600 men, this is later on in life now that they found that their families had been hauled off into captivity. They found that their, their city was in charred ruins. It was burned, that uh, all the spoils of war were taken. In other words, all their possessions were gone. And the Bible tells us that, that the men, including David, wept so hard. Can you imagine coming home and your family has been you know, hauled off somewhere by a terrorist or something? It's, we can't even think that way. But this is what happened to David. And the Bible said that all the men wept, watch this, until they couldn't even cry any more tears. So it's a a very grim scene what's happening here. But I can envision David saying, you know what? I'm going to get back up on my feet. And the Bible said that they went out and they got back what the enemy stole from them. In fact, we sang a song in the 90s. Every once in a while, we'll break it out. I went to the enemy's camp and I did what? Took back. There it is. That's where we get that song from. And so, 1 Samuel 36, the Bible says that David rose up to power 13 years after he was actually anointed to be the king. Amen? And so, here's what I want to say to you about weariness and about getting back your joy this morning. Power of life and death is where? And you can have what you say. You can have what you say. Say that with me. You can have what you say. Say, I can have what I say." Proverbs 18:21: "The tongue has power, the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit." So what are you speaking over your situation this morning? Uh, he who guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from distress. So here's my first point, today? Speak? Faith and life over yourself. Speak faith and life over yourself, over your situation. You can talk yourself into defeat, or you can talk yourself into victory. Can you say amen? Your words have incredible power, incredible power. This is proven medically. You know, when people start to say, I feel so tired, how many know you're going to make yourself even more tired than you actually are? You ever been there? Yeah. So what words are coming out of your mouth? Are they words of life or words of death? What are you speaking? You know, Paul said it like this in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There it is. See, that's that's calling in faith. That's not speaking negativity. That's not speaking discouragement. That's not speaking bitterness. That's not speaking, uh, you know, death over us. He says, I can do all things. Well, you know the story. Paul was in prison when he said that. If anybody could have been discouraged, it should have been Paul. Agreed? I mean, he's in a dark, dank prison, naked, cold, rat infested, no food, no supplies. He said, guess what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? So, th- so this is the antidote for a lack of joy in- and to build our faith back up is to speak faith and life. Joel 3.10 says it like this. Let the weak say, I am strong. Say that with me. Let the weak say, I am strong. That's where we get that. You know, years ago we used to sing that song, Give Thanks. How many of you remember that? Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks for He has given Jesus Christ His Son. Let's sing. And now let the weak say I am strong. Watch. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks. See how faith comes in the room? You know why that? Because we're speaking life. Let the weak say, I am strong. He didn't say, let the weak say, I am weak. I'm so weak. I'm so sick. I'm so tired. I'm so this. No, let the weak say, I am strong. It's the opposite of what we feel, right? I was listening to Jonathan one time. He was talking about his schedule was just crazy. I mean, this, this young guy is like, God's been opening up platforms of ministry unlike anyone I ever know. And I mean, love Jonathan or maybe you don't like him i don't know but you can't deny that the lord is using him as a strong voice to this generation and you know he's kind of got a rock star star status of sorts i mean wherever he he just packs the thing out especially with the youth culture uh you know the millennials all that He he has a great following and so thank god you know we ought to thank god whether anyway he said he was so tired one time because of his schedule And the flight missed and whatever it was, he hadn't slept for a couple days. He said, I literally got into the hotel like 15 minutes before I had to leave to go minister at a church and kick off a week of meetings. And they had great expectations. And he said, my physical body was so tired. And he said, my mind wanted to watch this speak that I'm tired, that I'm have battle fatigue. Okay. You see where this is going? That I'm weary. And he said, I actually started to speak the opposite. And he started, started to say the opposite of how we felt. Watch this. He said, I feel amazing. In fact, I have more energy right now than I've ever had in my life. He said, that's crazy. No. Let the weak say I am strong. See how it works? It's the opposite of what our flesh wants to do. Most of the time, loved ones, the scripture is in opposition to what our flesh wants to do. Amen. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let them say, let them say, let them say, let them say, let them say. Your words have incredible power to them. You can have what you say. And he said, I started to say that. I started to speak it. And he said, I literally felt the anointing and the energy of the Holy Spirit come upon me. And he said, we went into a week of meetings he said that the weariness left my body, the tiredness left my body, and he said we had one of the best week of meetings I've ever had in my entire life because I didn't give in to tiredness, amen? So it's one of the ways. The Bible said in Isaiah 40, 31, they that wait upon the Lord, amen? They that wait upon the Lord shall what? Shall what? And they shall mount up with wings as eagles. You will. Praise God. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not faint. Isaiah 40 and 31. Now, wait does not mean, it, listen, I looked this up in the original this week. That doesn't mean sit back passively with your feet up in a lazy boy recliner. And say, well, I'm just waiting on God. no it actually means to have great expectations for the things the lord will do can you say amen that's why some of you need to go to the holy lands with us in february so you'll gain more insight of the word and the actual meanings of these things it's written in in uh, hebrew and aramaic amen so you know in other words when i wait i start to say thank you lord you're turning my situation around that's why we sing those songs, there's a breaking in my favor, there's a shifty, see the power that's coming out of your voice, in my direction, there's a breaking in my favor, as I what, praise, as I scroll on Facebook, no, I didn't say that, <laughs> as I'm on Instagram, no, I didn't say that. You know, as I'm on Twitter, no, I didn't say, it. as I praise, amen? Incredible power in your words, <laughs> praise God, amen. And so, it seemed like, here's the point, Davis, David was closest to seeing the promise come to pass when he faced the greatest opposition in his life. How many believe that sometimes the darkest hour is just before dawn? You ever been there? Amen. Praise God. This week, we had an opportunity to be at the stadium down here, PNC Field. I mean, folks, that's not something that uh, happens every day of your life, not to play baseball, but to actually proclaim the goodness of God to this region over loudspeakers. And they didn't put us down a corridor somewhere in a back room. We were literally right down the first baseline with people that, you know, all different types of people. And uh, it, it was amazing. And, and, you know, I just say this to you. I, I, it seemed like hell tried to pull out all the stops this week on us. And it's okay. Because I made up my mind that I will, we will receive what God has for us. Amen? And we did. And, and we will in the future, too. Praise God. So David could have given up. But don't give up. Don't give up on your healing. Don't give up on your breakthrough. And God is faithful. I got a call this week, uh, Lynn Wynn. Lynn was here Friday volunteering in the, in, at the pantry. If you don't know Terry and Lynn Wynn, they're usually in this early service, the 9 a.m. service. They're a beautiful couple that they have a farm in Shehola, PA. And Shahola, uh, does anybody know where Shahola is? It's about 60 miles from here. And so to drive the church 60 miles, how many know a church alive is worth the drive? Amen. Praise God. That's a long way to go to church. They passed a lot of churches on the way here. But they've been coming here since we built the church. They're a beautiful couple. They're so positive. I love to be around positive people. How about you? They're battery charged. They're just all about uh, being joyful and happy and those kind of things. And, and again, you know, uh, she was here. Terry, her husband, was here. They come three times a week from Shahola PA. Now, they're busy people. He's, he's got a, a medical degrees they have a farm can you imagine how busy a farm keeps you like a dairy farm cattle and all that stuff but they still have a commitment to god and uh she was diagnosed with cancer in her lymphatic system and it moved into her lungs and you know the medical diagnosis wasn't good had over a hundred tumors in her body and, and and not even at age 60 yet and they look amazing but she's been through some battles like we're talking about she's been through some things And uh, lots of opportunities to be weary in even doing good. Uh, Lots of opportunities to be discouraged and and to give up and to not have faith in God, you know. And so she was here Friday. They come Wednesday and they help when the semi-tractor trailer comes in to break down the food with the volunteers. They're first one's here. They come Friday morning. They help distribute the food out in that humidity. Think about that. They've been doing this for years and years and years. Absolutely love it. Then they come Sunday morning, they're usually the first ones here for a 9 a.m. service uh, from Shahola. So I mean, if you do the math, what is that? 120 miles? Yeah, what is that? So, yeah, so 360 miles a week. Am I that right? So that's a long ways to drive the church. Amen. But they're happy people. Last Sunday, she got up to make coffee, and while she was making the coffee, Terry said, I went and got in the shower, I got out of the shower. And he said she was passed out on the kitchen floor. We had to call the, the ambulance. The ambulance called the, uh, the chopper, and they had to airlift her to Lei Valley uh, Hospital. Great hospital. Magna status. Highest in the land. Uh, and they were airlifted. She couldn't speak. And they found that she had a brain tumor. And so we got called here to pray. How many are thankful that you're part of a praying church? Amen. Right. And so my wife and I went down to Lehigh and we got there and we got in the room and, and uh, Tom and Cindy Leslie had already been there. And uh, it's, it's just relationships are everything. And when I walked in, she couldn't speak, but she was awake and she grabbed my hand so strong. And she put you could literally visibly see the tumor of six centimeters right here. And it shut down her 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 speech center and she put my hand on her on her like this, as if to say, pray, pray, pray. And she has such a strong grip, my God. I know people in good health that don't have a grip that strong. And I was just hunched over like this. She kept putting this like this and looking at me. And uh, so we went right into prayer, amen? We were praying before that anyway. And then we were fortunate enough to be there for a while that the cardiologists specialists, come in. And they were talking to my wife and they said, we heard one of you has a medical background here. And, uh, you know, my wife's very quiet. She never, she's always internalizing, always thinking. And, uh, yeah. So they explained the surgery, that it was somewhat risky to remove a tumor like that on the brain. Think about it, folks. Uh, maybe next service I'll get you a video. Um, she came through that with flying colors. And actually, I just watched as I was sitting there this morning during praise and worship a video of her eating ice cream saying thank you everybody at the church for praying for me i'm going to be just fine can you say praise god <laughs> amen, amen. Praise God. so speak life it works if you speak life and health and blessing and be positive over your situation can you say amen thank you so much for joining us i want to encourage you to pursue a personal relationship with jesus christ there is a god in heaven who loves you who has exact and specific blueprints for your life, for you to follow, that uh, when you're in your sweet spot, when you're in the will of God, you'll enjoy life to the fullest. And we would love to help you in your journey of faith. Until next time, may God's richest bless you.